Would you like to reach our film and TV review podcast audience? Do you have a product or service of interest to film and TV home consumers or followers of the entertainment industry? Have a film or show production to publicize? For affordable price plans for all budgets, get in touch and find out about our introductory advertising options. Reach our audience of film and TV viewers and visit our site contact page at filmandtvreview.com, or you can email us at business at filmandtvreview.com. Reach out today. Welcome to part two of this film and TV review special. If you've missed part one, catch up at filmandtvreview.com, or on your favorite podcast player including Apple Tunes, Spotify or Amazon Music and others. Welcome to filmandtvreview.com. Catch the latest film, TV and stream show reviews every week. The views and opinions expressed by the authors and those providing comments are theirs alone. They do not reflect the views opinions or position of film and tv review.com or their respective parent companies or affiliates film and tv review.com makes no representations as to accuracy completeness correctness suitability or validity of any information in this program and is for entertainment purposes only episodes may contain adult humor and language for full terms and conditions see film and tv review.com Alfonso, hello. Hello. Are you there? Hello. Yeah, mate. Yeah. How's How it going? <laughs> Good. I'm very well. I'm very well. Well, um, what are your thoughts on the Oscars and BAFTAs? Well, I, um, I like the the award following the awards season and the campaigns and everything. I and I understand it. Both from a cinephile point of view and ball and a, and a person who likes to follow campaigns, like if it was as Richard said, a political campaign, and it's and it's kind of like that. You want to make people aware that the film exists, that the quality is that of the film and or the performances or the technical aspects, and then people, well, vote for whatever they want, and I think everyone is agreeing that as we are doing that this season everything everywhere all at once is the film to beat and it's the film that everyone sort of agrees on so I, and i also think that it's gonna be that's like the great thing about this award season that that film who uh, premiered early in the year just kind of went on gaining more fans and more fans and more fans and it was easy to to for it to to rise and to become finally the fr the front runner when it's kind of like very much another another dog from the beginning by the daniels of like with with uh, martial arts with all kinds of science fiction different realities like who who would have thought that that film would have been the 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 the, the film that everyone would have chosen as, as their number one? And I think it's for I think it's in my mind it's going to win everything. Maybe maybe not, but because the Banshees of Inisherin is the second one, let's say that everyone kind of sort of agrees on. But it the uh, Banshees is a much more typical awards friendly picture. And everything everywhere all at once has been very organic in the sense as like uh, the way that it keeps the heart well placed and everyone sort of ma makes every every viewer feel all the feels and that is the the what it remains after all the realities and everything and and everyone sort of likes the picture it has 
it has a little bit of everything for everyone, but in the end, it also has a huge heart. And I personally, I really like that so many actors have been nominated during the award season, and especially at the, for the Oscars, like Stephanie Hsu, I think she's one of the top two performers in that film. And, and she got nominated after she had been snubbed in other awards, like the, the BAFTAs didn't nominate her. And finally, the Oscars did. And, and that's a, 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 a thing that we should also consider for the, for the Oscars. Uh, yeah, Ke Kwan, Michelle Yeoh. I, I don't much care about Jamie Lee Curtis in that role specifically. But I mean, the, the love of that for that film is so much that she got also nominated. And she actually campaigned hard for to get a nomination for that film. And she has a, a, a very important career behind her. And I also, especially, I, I just liked how Paul Mescal in a very small movie, After Sun, could, got nominated in, in the end for so many awards. Also, because this was a personal, let's say, journalist slash critics favorite. And that, those were, are also part of the equation. They sort of like are all, they give their awards, they talk uh, on Twitter, they write articles. And After Sun as a best first film and Paul Mescal were nominated, nominated and awarded in this kind of a critics awards once and again. And finally he got nominated for a performance that I think is really good in, in, in a very small film. But it's also A24, I think. So, I mean, it has also the backing of, a, of an important Distributor. I I really think that the ten films nominated for the Oscars are, in general, to my liking at least. <laughs> Except I don't I don't much care for the story of Avatar and Elvis. Well, I've seen too many uh, music biopics to really enjoy the if there's a difference there. Although I think Bas Lerman, if you like Bas Lerman's kind of directing style, it's <laughs> it makes a difference in that sense. And Tom Hanks's character is also kind of what makes it a little bit different. But as Richard said, um, sometimes biopics uh, and biopic performances can feel a little bit too much mimicking. I don't know. I, I'm a little bit on the fence. And talking about the the, the thing about the, the the Andrea Riceboro thing, it's it's another way of campaigning. It's it's it kind of it's not the the, the usual way to do it. And and they have ex, and and Jean has Jean has explained it very well. And Andrew. It's um, difficult because, for example, uh, an example that I have here, an Instagram post by Francis Fisher, who was on Titanic, for example, this actress. And she's like, um, you have to see her performance on the scre uh, screening group app for Academy members. She's so good. Um, the, and many actors has, has have uh, held screenings for her there it's it's uh, let's say uh, uh, it can, it sort of became a thing because the filmmakers and the actors are well connected and they and they wanted to give a more relevance to a performance that they thought was really good and Actually, the performance has many elements that the Academy usually nominates. Like Andrea is playing an alcoholic, recovering alcoholic. She's a mess. She has she's a British actress doing a very specific di American dialect, and perfectly so. So she has many of these things that voters actually like. So they thought, well, <laughs> I think they thought, well. <laughs> Let's let's promote this. Um, more and more pe uh, famous people in their cycles got into it, and also also 
sees represented by a very well-connected CAA agent. Uh, so yeah, it doesn't, it is very far from, let's say a general audience that has not watched that film. And it sort of represents how appealing to acad academy voters is the thing that matters. Not, it doesn't have to really represent what even, even like journalists or any other kind of people that doesn't do not vote thinks. So it's, it's interesting to see how, how it has happened and how uh, you need to appeal to the, exactly, specifically the voters. And the voters are, they have specific characteristics, they live in a, in a particular place, and they can be sort of like lobbied, which the, that's why the, Amer the, the Oscars um, board is now reviewing this process, because they have rules against lobbying, and they have rules against talking, I mean, naming the competition. But when something comes from different actors and a group of actors that are hosting screenings for Andrea and it's not like a particular firm, like a publicity firm. So it's, I think it's kind of messy to go and see if it's lobbying because, for example, Francis Fisher has talked about other actresses also in her Instagram post. Is that against the rules? Is she lobbying? Is she like hired or not? Because it makes a difference. I mean, people expressing things on, on social media, is, the, is that is something that is organic or less organic? But it, it sure makes you see how um, it kind of feels, it kind of makes you feel like you're outside of that circle. Like it doesn't represent you as a viewer. Like I didn't know anything about this film, and suddenly it's here. Because it's because basically they they had the right connections, and also because Andrea's performance was very much the typical thing that gets nominated. I feel for, for example, De Daniel Deadweiler in Teal, and especially and also because it could have given audiences. Um, an idea that they had to watch that film because I think it's uh, as Jean said, it's a very interesting story about racism and in a in a particular uh, time when uh, it's it's in the fifties, if I'm not mistaken, and it's not so long ago that you could see how in some parts of America things were very, very, very different than in other parts. And, and it, it was really, really dangerous to go to the South because it was uh, the, um, the, the person, the, the, the boy who is murdered in this film, he just goes to visit his cousins. And, and, and it, 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 the film depicts it very, very interestingly to viewers that don't have only heard the story, um, but they don't realize how the events happened in the sense of, yeah, how, how um, it, it, it is one thing to hear about it. There's another thing to see it and to see uh, the time, uh, how people uh, behave with each other, how this happened. It, it's it's really really something that I think should have been seen by more people, and that Daniel Delweilers, apart from being a very a great performance, should have given it, her nomination should have given more publicity to the film as a whole, to for people to see. I mean, talking about what well, that yeah, I think it's it's something that not not so many people really can understand until they see it, like how holy and so yeah i am very very much i mean i i i choose also to to see the glass half full and especially regarding everything everywhere all at once uh, i also think that the documentaries the international features the animated features are have a very good contenders they really makes uh you think that it's good that they have their own their own 
sections because it really shines a spotlight a spotlight on them and yeah well i'm i really thought that 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 the i also yeah the baftas and the oscars do a good job for yeah that that kind of uh highlighting certain films that are good for i mean interesting interesting for for people to watch in this film i think this year i think it, it they it has a general high quality let's say Thanks, Alfonso. Yeah, it does feel they've they've sort of nominated a lot of. Obviously, there's quite a lot of sequels in there this year, isn't there? And they're sort of really um, celebrating the films that brought people back to to cinema. Maybe after COVID, I know last year when we did this, we were saying there's sort of slim pickings. There's not very many blockbuster films that people have heard of, but there weren't many released um, at the same time. Um, yeah, I think Till is is an extraordinary film. Like it's it's amazing that it's only just been made. Um, and Barbara Broccoli and I didn't even know Whoopi Goldberg was going to be in it until I sat down and watched it. Um, have been trying to get this made made for years. And there's a there's one. I mean, Daniel Deadwire is amazing throughout the film, but there's one scene in particular where it's an unbroken take that just stays on her face. It doesn't show you anything else. And I thought that scene was about three minutes. And someone pointed out to me it's about nine. And it's just so sort of compelling that you kind of forget. It just draws you draws you in. Um, but yes, uh, I mean, the film does exist. Hopefully it will get sort of more reviews over the years, which is the thing. You know, there are some, looking back at previous year's list, there are some films that have been nominated for awards where... You go, I don't really remember that film. I don't know what that was. Um, and sometimes it's only with the passage of time that, that people revisit films or the the viewed as, as as really important and stuff like that. So um yeah. Yeah. Do you do you remember like for example last year Coda won? And Coda was a very much a thing that happened. They they premiered it in at Sundance. And then the the film film Kang went under the radar. No, it wasn't the 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 front runner for anyone. And then suddenly, uh, it kind of resurfaced at the right time. <coughs> Specifically, the the awards campaign was very well um, managed, and the voters were appealed. And there was a kind of a, a gap there where people were not like completely in love with anyone. And well, like the, the power of the dog, or they, they were just not feeling it. And and they Apple and uh, the, the awards publicists just did it right, they appealed to their voters. And even when the, the main audiences were like, Coda, well, what's that? <laughs> More or mostly. And so it happened also here with some categories you have your front runners who everyone knows about, they are going to vote for it. And if awards publicists and people in general see that there is a spot, a gap, they go straight for that because it's like, oh, the people, films, some films are in the bubble, it could be this or that. So, whenever there's a gap, people are going to try to fill it. And yeah, well, I, I've got a theory that Sorry. they do this with, so I've got a theory that someone who is deciding the final awards is someone who writes all the underdog uh, sort of movies like Rocky and stuff like that and then they decide right what we're going to do is the best film is going to be the one that nobody's talking about so I don't even want to say yet which film I think is going to win it probably will be everything to be honest but there's one that I think nobody's really talking about and I wouldn't be surprised if on the night that turns out as the winner because nobody was talking about it I can't remember that far back but it does feel like for the last three years that has kind of happened that they've gone for one that nobody was talking about in the week before. But obviously, mm. if I say the name of it, we might all start talking about it, and then that won't happen. So <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, uh, the only thing is, um, yeah, it's fine that I'll find the Western Front got a bunch of nominations. Um, but I was thinking that this is something that's already been told before. Uh, I think because it was based on a novel from like a century ago, just after... World War One, and then it was made into a film that I think won Best Picture 
Yeah, so it won the third ever Best Picture in, um, in for the 1930 film. Yeah. Yeah, and then it was remade in like the late 70s, I think. And so this is another telling of it. So I was wondering, and it's fine that I get nominated, but there's so many other stories that haven't been told before that maybe also deserve to get nominated. So that's yeah, why they I, have I mean, I did, I did actually watch this. So I, I decided, I don't know why, but I decided I was going to watch the 1931 first and then watch the new one because otherwise you go back and try and watch it and it just seems like an older version of what you're watching. And I was quite impressed that there wasn't a massive amount of overlap so the key sort of um, main four characters are the same, but there's a lot of differences. There's there's sort of like a theme in the first one about like a soldier who's possibly going to lose his legs and whether it's, you know, um, bad taste to ask for the boots because there's sort of a, you yeah. know, they're in the middle of the war and they, you know, they te- they do need this. The, the films, the new film starts with soldiers going through and, attending to corpses on the battlefield and just removing the boots and throwing them onto a a pile, which seems like a nod to that theme from the first film. But there's not a lot of moments or scenes. There's probably a couple that, that overlap, but the rest of it feels very different. So I don't know if they've deliberately taken different elements of, of the book to do it, because I think they're saying it's not really a remake of that film. It's more like a different version. The 1931 as well, it, it's a German troupe again, but they're all played by American actors doing American accents. So in this, it is a German um, German cast. Daniel Bruhl is the only person who, sort of German name that I recognised in it. Um, and they do also come up with a, a, a different ending. So there's a, sort of a very tragic ending on both, but they both the kind of different versions. It is really good. It's really good cinematography. It, it's, I will say again, it's just got some really haunting deaths in it that are just absolutely horrific to watch. But it is it is a really good good film. But it completely come out of nowhere, and I probably wouldn't have watched it if it wasn't for the sake it was the most um, most nominated BAFTA BAFTA film. But well, I, it came I out of nowhere. It. But it had the Netflix push behind it. it it's it's yes, another yeah. way of that another thing that it's it's uh, has the two sides to it. On the on the on the one hand, you have net uh, a, a film that if it wasn't for Netflix. Uh, it would have been a, a film who had stayed in, in Germany, then went to be an international feature nominated film in, at the Oscars, maybe. And w- as Netflix uh, this year, all their films that they were trying to get into awards failed, Bardo failed, White Nose failed, Blonde failed, uh, let's say to gain traction and be the, that kind of film that they could nominate for Best Picture. It kind of benefited this less, let's say, academy-friendly academy in the sense that it's uh, another language, no known actors for the academy. And it, it was a complete success because thanks to Netflix, people watch it. People, they, they have the whole publicity machine behind it. So people watch it. People realize that it's a good film. Has a, a it's a complete success at BAFTAs and at Oscars with a whole lot of nominations for all the all the technical because uh, for the who, people who vote on all the technical categories are the the people who work in that category like sound like production design all these people that who work as production designers or and they're in in that kind of guild that those are the voters for the for the nominations. And they have seen this film because because it's there and promoted very well by by Netflix. So the system sometimes helps films that would have been less or more overlooked if if it wasn't for where they come from. I mean, where they are distributed, like in this case, Netflix, which is I mean, or 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 like yeah. Um, so yeah, some other things like Bardo, which it was Alejandro González in Iñárritu, of course, but it's like a Mexican film, very artsy, but you have Netflix behind it. And then it comes with a cinematography nomination because everyone who was mildly interested in watching that cinematography has been 
told once and again by Netflix that it's great, that you have to watch it. And, uh, so, yeah. I, I really want to see the film EO, which is up for uh, Best International Feature Film. This is a uh, Polish, Polish film about oh, yeah. a, a donkey uh, who uh, has grown up in a circus. Um, and that just sounds like my sort of thing. To be honest, I would quite like to see this donkey attend the award ceremony because I think that would just be fun. Just have it running around on the... Like, just have it running around, like, the auditorium or just on the stage. Just liven it up a bit. Um, <laughs> I'll say as well, like, just while it comes to mind, so so Top Gun, they've nominated the Lady Gaga song, Hold My Hand, which I've heard five times and I can't remember at all. But there is a song by One Republic called I Ain't Worried, which has been, like, a really big hit in the UK off the back of the film. So it's strange they did this, I think, last year with Encanto. They just nominated a track that was one of the tracks in the film and not we don't talk about bruno so they don't always go for the most obvious obvious song but i assume we will get performances from uh lady gaga and the like for somebody mentioned just to make the uh oscars more lively that they do have quite a big selection of songs i know they do already some live performances but So Those that, from uh, is, yes, so that are they going to do that? That's going to be amazing. Be quite a, that was a good set piece in that movie, and I guess yeah, the Lady Gaga one doesn't. I mean, I don't mind if you had the one Republic one just play at the Oscars and they just come on and play. <laughs> it's such an uplifting song. Uh, it is. Uh, it catches the mood of the film, yeah, honestly. But uh, I quite like Rihanna to get it for "Lift Me Up" actually, because yeah. I was looking back to. Um, whether All the Stars by Kendrick Lamar from Black Panther 1 had won the uh, best song, and it didn't, but it was beaten by Lady Gaga for Shallow, which I think is fair enough because Shallow at the time was like, a it's a big part of that film and it is quite a good song, although I'd have kind of preferred that, but it would be nice if this time Black Panther sort of trumped Lady Gaga, I think, <laughs> this time. Yeah. I wanted to ask also, <laughs> and this is kind of controversial as well, but do you know how BAFTA uh, chooses the long lists of film um, in some categories? The long list before no. the final round of voting to get the nominations. Some of them are chosen by uh, the voters in that category, like for example, in directing. Some of them have been chosen by the voters, which I, I guess are the directors. But there's a committee that chooses the other half, and they and they try to make it, uh, um, let's say, equal in women and men. That's the one thing that they they have specifically uh, said that they are trying to achieve. So, in directing, they're trying to make it equal, and also they also look for, uh, if I'm not mistaken, diversity in general, uh, in also in, in nominations for actors. So there's some, some of some of them some in the, in the long list, let's say, not the nominations, because the nominations are chosen from the long list. Uh, but in the long list, let's say some of the some of those that are in the long list are chosen by the voters and some others are chosen by uh, uh, the committee also. And it seems like it works because I mean they don't choose like any like just like anything. I don't know exactly. They don't they don't kind of reveal which long list, uh, um, let's say, um, elements have been chosen by the committee or by the voters. They just release the whole long list, and you don't know which one has been chosen by the voters or which one has not. But I mean. I get the idea, and I get the that, and in the end, it works. It's as Gene said, it's a it's a good selection in the end. But what do you think about the comedy part of it? Because it's not the voters; it's just some people with specific instructions. It's, it's weird because ideally you would want it to happen organically, but when it doesn't, it's you do. It does make me think maybe some kind of you know, intervention is needed there. Um, the, the sort of Oscars So White initial controversy was maybe even 10 years ago now. It makes me feel really old, but it might have been. And there was always a feeling at that time that there's 
a root problem that it's not necessarily the Oscars themselves, but there's a lack of reputation uh, representation in films anyway. And that's that's then why people aren't getting nominated. But in a year when you've had, that hasn't been an issue, I don't really think, um, particularly. And actually at the start of the year, I was aware of it, that there didn't seem to be a great, and then there's been some really good films by the end of the year, like Note by Jordan Peele is nowhere to be seen on these lists as well and stuff like that. Um, I would say Naomi Aki as well for for I want to dance with somebody because I do feel and I'm aware that you know Freddie Mercury wasn't like a straight white guy but I do feel like there's a little bit of this thing that whoever was going to play Marilyn Monroe would get nominated whoever was going to play Freddie Mercury would probably get nominated so why is it when it's Whitney Houston that doesn't seem to be the case and I think it's when I saw Naomi Aki interviewed. It was one of those moments where I was kind of aware of her, but having sat through the film twice and then watched her interview, I was like, that's a different person. That isn't her bringing any of her own kind of manner. I really appreciated what she'd done in the film to be Whitney Houston. And she's she's not nominated um, in the Oscars. She is up for a Rising Star Award, though, at the BAFTAs. So I would quite like to see her take that, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, if there's a problem with a vote, I mean, I, I guess there's a problem in the sense of many of these voters, as let's say it's an industry, at the, at, it's a problem at the heart of the industries where there is less diversity in the sense that there is less people from different backgrounds, different uh, ethnic backgrounds, anything that are allowed to join the party. So, yeah. of course, there are less yeah. voters exactly. of that. Yeah. Yes, so yeah. So it, it comes from the right. Thing. They are trying to. They are trying to make at the top uh, a, a correction of something yeah, that yeah. is yeah. at the bottom. Let's say. So, yeah, what do yeah. you think? Of, I don't know. I don't know what to think really. Yeah, no, it, it, I think I'm, the, the goal sorry. with um, the um, committee is to kind of you know balance the scales a little bit, and I would suspect that hopefully the committee won't be necessary for the end of time. But in this transitional period, when they're trying to address these key issues when it comes to representation of different, different ethnic groups, different racial groups and backgrounds, um, something does need to be done. Because clearly, these voting bodies can't be trusted, you know, when left to their own devices. And they will continue to pick, you know, their own preferences based off of um, unconscious biases and so I think the intervention is necessary. And hopefully, as the industry does become more diverse, you know, when we're dealing with the 200th Academy Awards or the um, 300th BAFTAs, you know, <laughs> it won't be um, an issue of having to force the hand of the voting body. And instead, there will be a more diverse base that's voting to begin with. But right now, you know, hearing about this, this, um, kind of intervention that they have the uh, academy also has a similar intervention where it's like um you know certain films that don't have representation may not be considered i don't know if they rescinded some of those uh rules actually because some of these um films that are nominated don't have those requirements met but maybe it's behind the camera that they do i'm not sure um, because it used to be like a certain percentage have to be of certain different ethnic backgrounds and um, different LGBTQ groups need to be represented. So I don't know if they've actually adhered to those rules this year or if um, maybe the people who do represent those groups are behind the scenes. But either way, I think some sort of intervention was needed. Yeah. So And, yeah. and behind the, the camera as well, I think that the, the director... Exactly. Richard, you've got your hand up. Yeah, I was um, listening and uh, I, I was thinking um, Chris Rock and before the unfortunate accident last year, Chris Rock did host once. Uh, I think that's the time actually you mentioned actually, James, like I think almost 10 years ago. Uh, and it was uh, during the uh, the time actually that some directors and actors and actresses of color decided actually to kind of boycott, I think, the Oscars or something like that, like Spike Lee or Jada Pickensmith. And I always come back to his monologue. You can find it online, on YouTube. You have all the monologues of different hosts and comedians. And his monologue, I think, was extremely smart. Uh, and I think that he sums up 
what I think is the right thing to do. And based on what Alfonso was saying, what Jan was saying, I think he sums up everything. And uh, what I mean is that, yes, of course, but I agree with Jan about but something had to happen. But, and, but I also agree that it's not the solution. I don't think it's the solution, at least for the long run. Um, what, what Chris Rock was saying, not to take his idea from him, I thought he was saying that, um, but he didn't understand the like, idea of positive discrimination. He didn't understand the idea of quotas. He didn't understand, he didn't understand the idea that it needs to be half, half, half in age category. It, doesn't, it must not be like this. It must not be decided based on the color of the skin or the background of someone to decide who's going to be in a category. That being said, what he was saying is that it makes also no sense that the same actors every year are, are appearing in these categories. Because then, again, then the talent is not uh, valued. Uh, he was taking the example, he was in front of him actually, what he was doing his monologue, he was saying, look at Leo DiCaprio. DiCaprio, I love him, but this guy has a great role every single year. He is privileged because, and he's great, but at the same time, he got a great role every single year. Jamie Foxx is one of the best actors of all time. That's what he said, and I agree, actually. Jamie Foxx is one of the best actors of all time. But how difficult it has been for him to get a nomination as the best actor. So what he was trying to say, and that's how he ended his uh, reasoning, and that's why I agree with him. He was saying, the point is not to go towards the, the route or the path of positive discrimination because I don't think it's the solution, not only in awards, but in, in life. I don't think that's the right thing to do. The right thing to do is to give more opportunities. And that's, that's why I was going back to Alfonso, what he was saying, that it's always the same people in the same party. It's true. The idea, obviously, it starts not at the top, but at the bottom, at the moment actually of the casting process, for example. And I was thinking that, I was thinking, it will take time, obviously, but when someone creates, wants to create a movie, let's take an example of a, a rom-com, for example. When you write a story about a rom-com, like a very cliche story with a guy in New York, he has an office desk job, he doesn't have time and, uh, to, to have his private life and he, needs, he, he can't meet girls, etc. And then one day he meets a girl. When they write this story, People in Hollywood shouldn't think straight away, okay, we need a white male of 35 years old and a white female, etc. They just say, we need a male. Or actually even better, we need a human being. And we need a human being. And then you, go, you put people in, in, the, in the room and you kind of don't care. I was about to be rude, but I know we recorded. So you don't care about the color of the skin. You don't care about the religion of that person. I know I'm, looking, I'm very utopist, but that's the idea. Because you try... The idea is to judge people on their talent, pure talent, non, not on the color of the skin, not on the religious status, not on where they come from, not on their oriental uh, or sexual orientation as well. So again, it could be two guys, two girls, it doesn't matter in my rom-com uh, example. But what I'm trying to say is that if you think like that, if you just judge based on talent, Maybe, and that's why I'm very optimistic for once, maybe in the future, if you base every single project on pure talent, maybe naturally, naturally, representation will come, but not the other way around, I would say. That's, uh, that's my opinion. No, I, I completely agree. That, that's what we should be working towards. So the positive discrimination aspect it's, it's there as a temporary measure, in my opinion, because things have gone just so badly. But ideally, that is where we should be working towards, where, you know, you have these stories be told and it doesn't have to be the same people over and over again. Because I think media has the power to, you know, unite people, especially those of us who aren't in such diversities like London, where you see the same people every day. I think it's so important to be able to see different stories from um, different people and different walks of life but yeah like Richard said you know this is the ultimate goal but I do think there are some bumps along the way and I'm not saying that the solutions that they've come up with are perfect 
but something had to be done because it was getting ridiculous. Yeah, and also in, 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 in the sense that um, pe- films that are nominated are also meant for also general audiences to feel like they, they are represented and they are pr- like, they, they go to movies because movies also talk about them. And you, if, you think, if you think that uh, some BAFTA voters who have a very specific, I mean, so many people that to, to work in this uh, artistic industry, they have, they come from rich families, have to go to eat and have that. Those are not representing the big population of the UK, let's say. So, think, uh, it's also, a, yeah, this, um, these family lines, I've actually, it's actually got worse. I think they were just drawing out actor, acting dynasties with the industry, and actually, it's actually got a lot worse than it was. So, yeah, uh, I think um, it was was a deadline or variety that had a whole article about Nepo babies. There's this like huge movement movement against Nepo ba- babies, uh, where you have you know benefactors of these great dynasties within Hollywood, and they're able to just kind of sneak in, and then you have people um, who are trying to like fight against it and be like, oh, it's not really a big deal. You know, we still have to work hard. Like, what's her name? Kate. Um, she was in. Um, Glass Onion um, Kate Hudson yeah, yeah Kate Hudson that's it she was like I still need to work hard blah 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 it's like if your father or mother was a producer or you know had an in in Hollywood somehow I mean it's just not the same as being a complete unknown from the middle of I don't know Birmingham <laughs> like it's not yeah, the yeah. same it's, it's not the it's same really in the sense the that in, in all the industries having your father work in the same industry or no, having connections is easier to get a job. Yeah, I mean, it's it a no also fact. happens. It, and it also, it adds to this situation the fact that to, these are very unstable jobs. So having money, having an opportunity, and know, knowing people, people knowing you from the beginning and, having, and being able to give you that opportunity before you run out of money or something like that, it's, it's, it adds that, that opportunity is even bigger. It's not like if you're an engineer and you, or you're, or you're coming from many engineers. Uh, they're, they're always, uh, there are going to be always people looking for you. But if you're an actor where 10% of actors work or something or less, uh, and well, having some money to sustain you and knowing the right people, it, that's an, at a very specific and important part of the process of your career which is starting, <laughs> so it makes a whole difference. Of course, you got to work hard, or of course, you got to be the best actor you can be. But if you, if, you are, if you are classically trained because you don't need a scholarship, stuff like that, of course, it makes it much more, I mean, it makes it easier. It's just like that. But you, was, of course, you and everyone else has to be a very good actor. I would like to say as well, I think that... Um... The Academy needs to um, kind of get rid of some of these like older members in terms of members who, <laughs> if you haven't been, no, sorry, why is it a lifelong membership? If you haven't been in the industry for over 20 years, why should you get to vote in the Academy? That makes well, no if, sense to me. Or if you're not even made... watching any of the films and you're going off of what your grandchildren say, what is actually happening? <laughs> yeah, because I'm, I'm not sure if you still alive but uh is it sister dolores who uh, was a nun and she used to be an actress I-, I don't know if she's still alive but she was someone who retired from acting to become a nun and she was still a voting academy member why yeah when i mean they they had done, <laughs> they had made they had taken measures to for for that specifically if you haven't worked in so many years i think that you can be uh let's say um not an academy member anymore or something like that and also they uh, the, the oscars they all have also changed their voters inviting a lot more people per year than they used to during the last five years so now they have changed what used to be like five years ago now it's been changed in around 30 percent of new voters which before it would have been like five ten and it have changed a lot because of that so they're trying to do it. So they're trying to make it happen. That's that's good to hear because you know I I would hear every single year about like how 
people would vote vote for best animated feature based off of what their kids said. And that's just disheartening to me. Let's give these films some respect. You know, if we're going to, the thing is with the Oscars is that, you know, over the last 95 years now, they've held such prestige that they can really change people's careers and lives and the whole landscape of film overall. And so I feel like the voting body should take that responsibility seriously and make sure that its members, you know, are actually watching the stuff. The bare minimum that you can do is watch the stuff and are also reflective of the the landscape of film and entertainment today instead of back like 50 years ago and are still completely out of touch of that. It's, it's one thing to have Martin Scorsese. I'm not saying kick out Martin Scorsese um, out of the academy because he's still working, he's still engaged, you know. I'm not trying to make it so that it's too skewed towards young people. But um, if you are not working at all, if you are detached from that world and you just have that well, invite every single year no, for is, whatever reason, that's out of order to me. But it's, it's, it was happening it, like... before. It, it was it was before it was uh, because thanks to statistics <laughs> and numbers, we, we, uh, you could see that the vast, well, the majority of academy voters were over sixty. They were vastly male or much more male than female. No diversity, almost like little, little, little. So what what has been happening from like five or a little bit more years ago has been inviting a lot of people and inviting a lot of people with that in mind. And actually, that's maybe where you need to do the quotas then. Sorry, my, my connection dropped out. So apologies if I'm just repeating what you've all said. But if you had... Right, how many people have we got voted? Hey, they're all in the 50, 60 age group. Right, we need some people in other other age groups. I don't know as well, though, like, are people working in the industry really watching that many films? Like, not, not necessarily, quite possibly, but not yeah. necessarily. There are some I mean, people that you talk to in certain careers who say, I don't go and do that for my pastime because I work in it. So I've got no, no interest. And that's where you probably get people going, oh, I just vote whatever my kids have watched you know? well there are certain categories i think i don't know if you just mentioned that they're required to watch the films like i don't know if it's international the film. or the animated but whatever group votes in that category i think they're required to watch all the nominees so i don't just don't remember which category it is but there are certain categories at the oscars where whoever votes on that category are required to watch all the films that are nominated Maybe not all the uh, films on the shortlist or whatever, but but at least all the ones that are not. I think there's more oversight over the technical awards. I think, as I think Alfonso said, um, like for the technical awards, you actually need to be qualified to vote on those. But I'm I mean, not in, sure in how general, they would enforce that. In general, I think for the, for the nominations, each guild votes their uh, category, except for best picture that is voted by all. That's what I understand that is happening for nominations at the Oscars. So actors, both actors and production designers, both production designers, do have to be registered on Is that a new the development? Sorry, what? Is that a new development? No, it's like for it's like always, but in some oh. categories you have to there's there are long lists before in some categories, like for example, international feature or animated feature or special effects. And I think like Maybe international feature, you had to uh, have watched the long list. But I, how can they know that? It's it's very difficult to know that. Because yeah, it's difficult to enforce. Yeah. But there, there was some kind of a comedy in international feature, if I'm not mistaken, because they they wasn't they weren't expecting all... Because I think, yeah, I think international feature was the thing because that was open also to everybody. But then it wasn't open to everybody because it was of a, 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 some a kind of group that was chosen for that. And it was, um, then it was a mix, uh, something. An international feature, as it is a picture, but it is international or something like that. It, that's the thing where, where something was happening. I know that no, the recent just... change that they made was that it used to be foreign language. And then because of... Uh, certain films that didn't get um, their due, like there was this one film from Nigeria that people expected to be nominated, but because it's technically in English, it didn't get its due. So they changed it to international feature. That's the only change that I remember. I think, I think it was also the vanishing. Strangely... Oh. Sorry? Sorry. 
no, I was just going to say the vanishing. I, I don't know if this was the case, but like it had to be a language from that country. And I guess the vanishing was a film from the Netherlands, but it's mostly in French because it takes place mm. in France. So I don't know if that was eligible at that time because they were like, well, French is in a language from the Netherlands. But now they've changed it. So as long as it's in some other language you know, other than English, it doesn't matter if it's a predominant language from that country or not. It could just be, you know, could be nominated. And that's the reason also, I mean, in, I mean, sorry, going back to the, the guilds, for example, why in animation there's always, sometimes there is like these animation features that are very independent because animators like all kind of styles and they don't, and they like to dominate your, the most known features, but also your very independent animation feature from Ireland, whatever. Or the secret of Kells or something. Yeah, yeah. Like they like, they appreciate animation, the different styles of animation. They also appreciate much, uh, a lot like independent kind of 2D, not like they don't go too much to box office or stuff like that. Can I say something? I was about to write something in the chat. I, I believe, okay, not controversial, but it's just a feeling. I believe actually that the Oscar ceremony, the ceremony will eventually will disappear, will never be recorded at one point. And the awards will only be given, yes, because Ajan said it's a big deal for the industry, for people who actually receive them. It's a boost for their careers, etc. But the ceremony itself, I don't see it happen in five or ten years from now. And no. the reason, yeah. let, let, let me finish explaining my, 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 my logic here. The reason I'm saying that is I think that the reason of the decrease of numbers is also... The, the, the reason behind is also because it's not an event anymore. Like it's not like a, a date in a calendar for a lot of people. Because of the quantity of uh, entertainment given now, and I think that it's uh, it's uh, actually it's as a bad influence on this what was to be used to be an extraordinary event. What I mean is that back in the day you had only movies to talk about every week or every two weeks and everybody was sharing this information and you will highlight in your mind the fact that wow these movies are amazing and you can think about five or six of them over a year but you want to see who's going to win at the Oscars etc it was I think that kind of process that pushed people to watch the, the Oscars when I say people I'm not saying us I'm saying the casual viewers now the casual viewers I have so many, so many things every five days or three days, a new thing on the streaming service, with TV show, anime, movie, etc. There's so many on, in terms of quantity, but I think that we are now missing the, the, this, this, um, I said this, the feeling that, that actually that there is something eventful happening in this industry once a year. I don't know how to explain but it, but that, that's how the thing is that the Oscars are not the end point of this. The Oscars are just the means to pu give publicity to those films and try to watch. Yes, to, to but this, I'm the talking about the ceremony. I'm talking film. about two different things. I'm not talking about the Oscars themselves. The Oscars themselves, I'm sure they will survive forever because of this, because it helps the industry for, for actors, for directors, for movies themselves, as you said, because... No, but it, it helps put them on publicity. But, but the ceremony itself, no. The ceremony is spending four hours watching something, actually, but in the oh, end, okay. you, barely, you barely know the movies. Why would you spend four hours watching something about uh, movies that you barely know? Okay, I get it. Like like the, the viewership of that ceremony, exactly. but, yeah, but, exactly. but like, like getting, putting the stamp of the movie, like publicity-wise, yeah, yeah, at I least agree, one and I agree, but, okay. Yeah, absolutely. The posters saying, with Academy Award nominee, Mr. X, yes, of course, but uh, that, that I, I would never change that because obviously there is, uh, it's beneficial for someone to have the Oscars, for someone yeah. in the industry. But I'm talking about people outside of the industry who are supposed to be the ones watching and making the numbers of viewers in the viewership. I'm sorry, but it's the only place where you can watch Will Smith punch people. I think last year's, last year's ceremony, it was overshadowed by that. But it, I thought it was quite good. I like the little bits where they had like 15, 20, 35 year anniversaries where they get the cast out. Yeah, and but, I know they don't look I don't really. Think, 
but I don't think just however, I don't think our opinion. No, no, just saying that I think our opinion is doesn't kind of matter because what I mean is that we are kind of addicted to this industry by the numbers of things that we watch, etc. So I don't think that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's yeah, true. Absolutely. I don't think that represents represent the num represents the people actually they are targeting here, because yeah. it, it, we are, yeah. we are in the, minor, the minority of people watching these things. If we talk the about again the, the casual, the casual, the casual people who actually watch one movie every month or one TV show a month, these people are the ones that are targeting, and these people kind of don't care anymore about the BAFTAs, Oscar, etc. And that's because, in my opinion, when you have so many things in your mind. In regards to entertainment, you have so many choices, etc. It's hard actually to care anymore about one specific thing, and that's yeah. what is the industry. I I completely agree with Richard. Um, I don't know about um, the timeline for when the ceremony is going to disappear, but I do think eventually it's just going to disappear because whenever I talk to friends, family, like no one cares. They don't mind. Um, checking it up on Twitter, like the next day to see who won or who got nominated. But the idea that they would sit there for four hours and watch the Oscars, like I, I remember doing that as a kid with the family, like a couple of times, but really it's just not an event that everyone wants to tune into. Um, so yeah, I actually completely agree. I do think that sometimes when you're talking to people who are fellow film lovers uh, and TV show lovers, um, your opinion can get skewed, um, but at the end of the day, mainstream audiences do not care half as much as we do about these things. But my question is then, Richard, you know, if this ceremony does disappear, yeah. um, but the Oscars remain, will there yeah. be much point to having that famous logo of Academy Award winner? Because yeah, because yeah, it will be because it will be it will be like I'm taking an example with uh, with friends, <laughs> uh, with my country. Uh, in France, you have AOC for uh, food and drinks. I know it sounds stupid, but it's true. So I'm <laughs> saying that for example, that it's a good point. You see what that we're getting at, uh, Alfonso. Is that for example, yeah, yeah, a wine, yeah. a wine or a cheese will have an AOC, which means actually that it's on the. On, on the bottle, let's say for wine, and it says AOC, whatever, Bordeaux, AOC, Bourgogne. And by saying that, even the guy who doesn't know nothing about wine knows that mm. this, one, this one is particularly special, particularly good. And for marketing purposes, it works. They are the mm. best selling. It will be the same for a movie. If you have a movie and somebody doesn't know nothing about movies, but he sees that that guy has got, I won an Academy Award. He doesn't know what an Academy Award is, but it sounds very legit. Okay, cool. I will watch <laughs> it. It's true. It's true. It's true. It, 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 it sounds good. You say, okay, that guy apparently is recognized by his own uh, his own uh, pairs, his own uh, 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 fellow uh, filmmakers. So he must he must be something good in this movie. So I will watch it. And I think yeah. that's why as well, when we were talking about last year, sort of not sharing them out, enough you know certain things get maybe over nominated although i think the films this year we were we all really like and we're happy happy to see that but actually if you had every film you know no film got more than one or two nominations suddenly it would mean nothing you wouldn't get a dvd or like an advert that says nominated for two academy awards people would be like well who cares or nominated for one academy award people would be like well everyone gets nominated for an academy award you know it means nothing anymore so they just want to have it as like a headline don't they like for when certain things come out in a few years yeah. or they reissue it and say 11 academy awards in you know 10 years time so i think yeah. it will stay there as as a as a tool like a marketing tool like you yeah, say yeah but I don't know if it will disappear because I think people will love it, but maybe there's just that thing of watching people that are quite privileged, you know, dressed really well and stuff. Years ago, that would have been quite aspirational. But now I think there's a bit of a, a different attitude towards that, that, you know, that they're, they're privileged. It doesn't seem as aspirational and it just seems a bit functional. You know, it's it's four hours that you could you could rewatch Avatar 2 or you could go and watch two... <laughs> two-hour movies you know with you could watch everything everywhere all at once like twice you know which has like all these amazing effects why would you just watch a bunch of people in suits clapping at each other and it's all very kind of back backpacking and stuff back back slapping and things isn't it so maybe people wow. just aren't aren't interested in the same way anymore yeah maybe they move not to televise it eventually the figures get so low 
just make it more of a private affair and then you can but just then it will come back jason because then it will be really like elitist and everyone will be like i want to know what's happening because i can't get in there and it will leak on tiktok and stuff like that because people will be filming it and then people will really want to see it it's funny because it actually started out as a private affair way back when it first yeah. started yeah. But then it because there wouldn't have been tvs back then it's weird watching um the 1930 all quiet on the western front and thinking god that's the third academy awards and like it's like the third year of talkies you know and like people just wouldn't have had tv sets like to watch it on so or it even just that you would have read about it in the press yeah, yeah. Well, on that note, that was our Oscar and BAFTA nominees special. Thanks to all our attendees today. And thank you to listening to the film and TVreview.com podcast. Until next time, goodbye. We hope you enjoyed this film and TVreview.com episode. Catch the latest film and TV reviews together with regular episode content from the world of film and TV every week. See you soon. Would you like to reach our film and TV review podcast audience? Do you have a product or service of interest to film and TV home consumers or followers of the entertainment industry? Have a film or show production to publicize? For affordable price plans for all budgets, get in touch and find out about our introductory advertising options. Reach our audience of film and TV viewers and visit our site contact page at filmandtvreview.com or you can email us at business at filmandtvreview.com. Reach out today.